Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So the year was 1998, and I was 17 years old. As a very new Christian, I can remember the overwhelming emotions of doubt rolling over my body. And I I think that I should preface by saying, as, as most of us in here know, that being a teenager is already really weird and really emotional. And there's a lot of things that you go through, some things that feel good, some things that don't feel so good. But trying to figure out what the next step in life is, did everything my parents tell me, was it the truth? I think that was kind of where I was, and I just felt this doubt and all these emotions during this time. And this would be important because these emotions would hijack the way that I felt for the next several years of my life. And I think there's a reason that I wanted to do just a short series on emotions, and I'll explain that to you guys up front with the decision that I've made to to cover this. The first is this. I believe that people often base their faithfulness or the character of God on how they feel. And this is a huge mistake. There's a really big problem with this. But for a lot of people, the way that they view God is constantly kind of this up and down, God is good, God is bad, God is loving, God is not loving, God is wonderful, God is evil. And there are all these different emotions that we experience around God if that's kind of what leads us in our directive thoughts toward God. But I also think that the nature of our sin life is often rooted in our emotions, meaning that I believe that we all, especially as we get into adulthood, we have these certain emotional triggers. And with these emotional triggers, a lot of the mistakes that we make are a result of our emotions. And emotions are a very, very good thing. I'm not trying to suggest that you become this full-blown stoic and never feel anything, but I am saying that emotions can often lead us in the wrong direction. And then based on one of my favorite books, and there's a ton of spinoffs with this. In fact, Peter Scazzaro wrote a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader that I've, I've led almost every leader that I've ever known through. But emotionally healthy spirituality, he says this, I don't believe that you can be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time. So I want you to think about that. I don't believe that you can be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time. So I would love to discuss a wide range of emotions over the next few weeks, but we're getting ready to get into our Advent series in the last Sunday of November. So we're only going to have three weeks to talk about these things, but there are some important emotions that I want to talk about. Today, I'm going to talk about anger. And then next week, and let me just say something about anger. There are times whenever I'm up here and I'm talking about things and I'll say, I don't struggle with this the way some people do. Like I'm speaking to other people, but sometimes I'm not necessarily speaking as much to myself because we're all different. We all struggle with different things. But this one, I feel like I could have written the book. All right, so I will, I will give some personal examples that I think a lot of us can relate to today that will be very healthy for all of us. The second thing that we're going to talk about is guilt. 
and that's next week. And that's because I believe that guilt is a very underrated emotion that we don't talk about enough that really just have people in complete slavery in their lives for things usually that they've done in the past or thoughts that cross their mind. They grew up in a, in a really strict hellfire damnation environment. So every, every time they do mess up, they just feel this condemnation coming their way. So that's something that I want to talk about as well. And then I want to talk about fear and worry on November the 20th. And I think that's really a lot of people, men and women, that are in here right now. So we could talk about jealousy or pride or low self-worth or depression or insecurity and all these other emotions that are out there. And, and we have talked about some of those before. And maybe we'll get time you know, later to talk about some of those. But these are the, the areas that I want to cover first. So today what I want to do is I want to look at anger through a situation that Moses faces. And what we'll do with these other two messages in this series is we'll also look at that time period in Israel. As we start to get into Joshua, we're going to kind of hit on that little time period with all three of these messages. So if you have your Bible, I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of Numbers. It's close to the beginning of the Bible, Numbers chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. If you want to follow up here on the screen, you can. If you want to use your phone, that's perfectly fine. But if you do have your Bible today, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. A lot of these parallels you'll also find in Exodus. We did a series a couple of years ago called Out of Egypt. And I think we might have, I'd have to go back and look, but I think we might have even discussed this topic. So Numbers chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. In the first month, the entire Israelite community entered the Zen desert, that the people and the people stayed at Kadesh. Miriam, who is Moses' sister, died and was buried there. Now, there was no water for the community, and they assembled against Moses and Aaron. Then the people confronted Moses and said to him, If only we had died when our brothers perished in the Lord's presence. Why have you brought us out to the Lord's assembly into this desert to kill us and our animals? Why have you led us from Egypt to bring us to this evil place without grain, figs, vines, or pomegranates? And there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went away from the assembly, and this is what you do when church people complain, or this is what you should do. You should never hit a wall you should never start cussing, even though that's what you feel like you, you want to do. You should find a secret place with God, and then you say, you look up in the air, and this is what you do. You say, what do I do? And that's kind of what's going on in this situation right here. So Moses and Aaron, they went away from the assembly to the entrance of the meeting tent, and they fell on their faces. So maybe you don't always look up and say, what do I do? Maybe instead you fall on your face and say, what do I do? But that's basically what's going on. Then the Lord's glory appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses. You and Aaron, your brother, take the staff and assembly, I'm sorry, assemble the community. In their presence, tell the rock to provide water. You will produce water from the rock for them, and it will allow the community and their animals to drink. Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence as the Lord had commanded him, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. He said to them, listen, you rebels. That's what I feel like saying to you guys sometimes. Listen, you rebels. 
Should we produce water from the rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock. Wait a minute, that's not the commandment. The commandment was to speak to the rock. But instead, Moses is pretty angry, and he strikes the rock with his staff twice. Out flooded water, so it worked. Out flooded water so that the community and their animals could drink. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, Keep in mind, speak to the rock. Do not take that staff in anger and hit the rock. Do not throw your phone across the room. It's not smart. They're expensive. You probably didn't get insurance. You're going to go have to pay for another one. Don't be stupid. That's what he's telling him. So he strikes the rock and he said, because you didn't trust me, I will not bring the assembly into the land. I will not bring you into the assembly of the land that I'm giving them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites confronted the Lord with controversy and showed his holiness to them. So it doesn't take long to read through Exodus or Numbers, which parallel in a lot of ways, to see that the children of Israel complain a lot. I mean, they complain all the time. And I really believe that what, what a pastor is being prepared for whenever they read this is that there are a lot of personalities in any given church. There are lots of, of, of different politics, different viewpoints, different we should do it this way, we should do it that way. Well, they didn't do it my way, so I'm upset. So there's a lot of complaining, and this is a very normal thing that he's going through. And the majority of this complaining is directed specifically at Moses. They're not shy about it. If you spend that much time in the wilderness with the same people, you start to get to know them just a little bit. So I have to imagine that even though Moses is this bold spiritual leader, that he's also human. And he gets frustrated from time to time because he's probably in some of these moments when they don't have food, he's probably hungry too. He's probably thirsty too. But all these frustrations are being poured out on him. So here are some of the common reasons that people get angry. Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand if you feel like you have an anger issue? My hand is up. Anybody in here have an anger issue? All right, maybe half the room. Now, raise your hand if you would say, okay, I really have an anger issue. How many of you are that honest? Kaylee's, Kaylee's doing this. But okay, so some of you are like, okay, I really, really have an anger issue. That's me, okay? And I could, it's evolved over time so that I'm not throwing things or cussing and, and, and you know, getting angry at people in those ways. So it's gotten a little bit tamer, but let me, let me, I'll share some of that in just a little while. So there's a few common reasons that you get angry. One, you lose control. Control freaks, whenever they lose control, they become very angry. And that's some of you that are in here today. The second one is this, people drive you crazy, they drive you crazy at your job. They drive you crazy in your family. They drive you crazy at school. And this is exactly what's going on with Moses in this situation. He's at a boiling point where the people are driving him absolutely crazy. Here's another. We don't have healthy outlets for our anger. What am I talking about as healthy outlets? A, rela a real close relationship with God. Exercise hobbies, things that you can do, experiences that you can surround yourself around so that whenever you feel really upset, you need a release. We all do. Everybody in here has got upset at some point. 
and you need some kind of release, and a lot of people don't do that. We're also unhappy with situations or outcomes, meaning you didn't get the job. You just received this extravagant bill. You didn't know it was going to be this expensive to fix this. You didn't know that your kid was, that, that your kid was going to get in trouble in this way. You didn't know that these circumstances, this unexpected thing that comes into our lives that we also, again, have no control over whatsoever. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. There's a particular group that I'm talking about. And if you're an angry woman, that's perfectly fine. I'm talking to you as well. But the majority of the people that I talk to, I don't know what it is about this demographic. I don't know what it is about this group. But the majority of the people that I talk to that have real anger issues, and I would call it constant aggravation, are married men with children. It's just a fact. And they're, and they're not necessarily angry with their spouse. And they're not necessarily angry with their kids. It's just for some reason they have this overwhelming aggravation almost all the time. And they're really unpleasant to be around. That's not to let single men or women or anyone else off the hook. I'm just saying in my experience that in, the, in like the, the greatest or best time in your life, when you're married and your kids are maybe just a little bit smaller or they're still in the home, there is something about so many men that are aggravated all the time. And I hope I'm speaking directly to some of those men today. So what does Moses teach us? And what do we have to learn about anger through the story of Moses hitting the rock? What do we have to learn today? The first is this, the path for protecting his emotions. And you have to protect your emotions. And what I mean by that is not cover your emotions or hide your emotions or, or not deal with your emotions. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that through exercise, through spiritual disciplines, through taking care of yourself, you have to learn at all times to keep your emotions in check. But at least for just a minute, this completely takes a detour. And we know, most of us, from personal experience, I'm going to say all of us, we know what happens when that takes a detour, and we are not protecting our emotions. So here's here how things start. And this is a great way for things to start. Moses and Aaron went away. This is verse 6. Moses and Aaron went away. The people are complaining. We're thirsty. We're thirsty. You've led us out here. We were happier in slavery. This is what it says all over Exodus and what it says all over Numbers. Things were not good, but they were a whole lot better. Even in slavery, we had food and we had something to drink and there was predictability in our lives. And you've led us out here to destroy us. So think about a person. Really just two, if you count Aaron, that's tr that are trying to contain the way that all this feels. So Moses and Aaron went out from the assembly to the entrance of the meeting tent, and they fell on their faces. Then the Lord's glory appeared to them. So this is a good thing. They do exactly what they're supposed to. And I can't tell you how many times I get an email, or I get a, a phone call, or it's some kind of meeting, and I just get that drop in my stomach, and I'm like, is she really, or is he really talking about this again? And I feel so angry, but I find that quiet place. And I'm like, God, what do I do? Because I want to say, listen, you rebel! You know, but it's like I'm in this place where I'm like, God, okay, what is it that I do? 
How is it that I handle this? Okay, so there's something that happens in the middle. So God's glory appears. Everything's wonderful. Moses, you can handle this situation. But something happens in the middle that we can't identify. And this is what verse 10 says. So Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And you think, well, this is all going to go really well. He went before the glory of the Lord. And he said to them, listen, you rebels. And I feel like this is what I need to say to my kids all the time. Because they are rebels. Should we produce water from the rock for you? And we see what happens from there. And just to be as as transparent as I can, and I could give you story after story, but I'll give you an example of something here just recently. So in the van that that Beth had prior to the van that she has now, her air conditioning stopped working. Middle of the summer, you know, pretty common problem. Air conditioning's not working. In my experience with this, it's usually been somewhere between two or three hundred dollars. Okay, so we take it to the mechanic. We 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 use this mechanic. In fact, it's it's top notch, right down from the church. A, a, a good place, honest people. We really like them. So so Jeff, the guy that that does work, he calls me and he says it's going to be over eight hundred dollars. Okay, so immediately, you know, that unexpected news anger that you feel. So all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm a real bad snowballer, too. Like, when things start to escalate with me, and I start to get really, really upset. And that's just kind of what tends to, you know, Beth will even tell me, she's like, you're snowballing, you're just calm down, calm down, calm down. And I'm like, okay, you're right, you're right, I'm trying. But we go in there, and and I I think it was the fact that I took Beth, Levi, and Cora, our two little kids, with us. I think Callie was in school took our little kids with us, and we went to pick up the car so she could take it, and I could get back to the church because I had a thousand things that I needed to get done that day. And in the midst, I guess, of having those things on my mind, as well as, you know, having to pay a lot more than I expected that we would have to pay, I locked the keys in Beth's van right after I paid for it. So I call the, the locksmith, and he says, well, we'll be out there, but it's going to be over an hour. And it's just happening. And you know what I'm talking about. It's just happening. And I'm just like, okay, because there's nothing else that I can say. So now I've got to pay for a locksmith and sit in this place where I've got all this stuff that I've got to get done. It was my fault. I wasn't going to leave Beth there with the kids. I'd have been in more trouble. All right. So so we're sitting there and Levi is getting into everything that you can imagine there. I mean, he's like tearing stuff off the walls. And I'm like, Levi, come sit down. He's not listening. And I'm angry. So what I do is is I go up and I grab him by his arm to, and, and every dad's done this, to lift him up and put him in his chair. Okay, must have had a little bit too much aggression going on because when I lifted him up to put him in his chair, instead he kind of hit the front of the chair. And when he hit the front of the chair, it hit the wall and made a really loud noise. And then he starts bawling. And I could tell that Beth was steaming. I, I'd kind of calmed down right after that happened. Like I look over at her and the guy that owns the car lot is in there. And two weeks prior to that, I'd invited him to our church. And he witnesses this. And I look over at Beth and I'm like, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, you're not like that. So loud across the whole place. And so eventually they get there and they leave. And I walk up to that guy and I'm like, you might be reconsidering churches. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. He was like, listen, man, it happens. I'm a dad too. He's like, well, thank you for making me feel better. But really, I still feel, I felt about that big 
with all of this going on. And it's been story like that the good majority of my life, especially when, when I quit drinking. When I quit drinking and had all these raw emotions, I'm still working on these things. But here's something that I have learned about anger, and I think that you'll agree with me. When you react in anger, you scream, you cuss, you throw something, you slam a door, whatever it might be. When you react in anger, you get about 30 seconds of peace. Almost like, well, I showed him or I showed her. Or whatever it is, it's like you feel good for a second, and then immediately you're just full of this regret. You're like, why did I react in that way? You recognize that you might have said something that you just can't take back. You recognize that you might have done something that you just can't take back. So it's like if we could do something about that 30 seconds in which we feel like we feel better... Or if we could walk ourselves through spiritually before we get to that moment, we would be in such a better place. So something else that we're going to recognize in this story of Moses is that unbridled anger, and all emotions for that matter, I want you to understand this, unbridled anger always comes with consequences. And emotional decisions that you make, regardless of what they are or where your motives may be, they always Every single time, they come with consequences for yourself and usually for other people. Have you ever made an emotional decision in which you then reaped the pain and the punishment of that decision? And I'll give you a few examples. You take that ex back. You know it's not a good relationship. You know it's not going to work. Every friend, family member, everyone has told you this is not going to work. And you take this person back and you resume that toxic relationship because you're lonely. Or because there's just no one like him. Or there's no one like her. What about when you make that big purchase? Even when you know, like you know within you that you can't afford it. And people do it. It's these emotional impulses that they have all the time. What about when you hurt someone with your words because they hurt you? You return evil for evil instead of what Paul says in Romans 12, instead of returning evil for good. But you're like, I'll show them. And I've been the person, and I know some of you have as well in your relationships, where you don't just say things when you're angry, and then you go to the next room to calm down, and then something stupid happens in your brain, and you say, you know what? I'm going to go back in there and say some more. That's called stupid. And some of you do that. The first time that Beth and I ever went through marriage counseling, this pastor that, would, that saw us was trying to direct me. And I said, but no, I said, but this is why I did it. He said, Matt, that's stupid. And I said, no, but this is not what you're here. This is not. He said, Matt, you're defending stupid. <laughs> and we do it every single day of our lives, especially when we have these emotional triggers that we don't understand. What about when you make this promise to God? How about this one? When there's this spirit-filled service and altar call and time of response like there so often is in our church, and you come down to the altar or you're at your seat and you say, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to look at pornography again. I'm going to start treating my, my wife or my husband better. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start serving in the church. And you have that moment. It's very emotional for you. But then whenever you leave and you're outside of church, sometimes for just a short period of time, 
you're right back to where you were. You're the exact same person that you were. So listen what happens to Moses as a result of his anger. There are always going to be consequences. This is verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, not because you're a bad person, not because you blow up, not because you do this and do that, but when you're in this situation, when your emotions are up and down and they're going absolutely crazy, Because you didn't trust me to show my holiness, to make this a good moment before the Israelites, you will not bring the assembly into the land that I have given you. Listen to me. Please understand this. This means that Moses' anger keeps him from leading the children of Israel into the promised land. This was his legacy. This was his moment. This is what he was placed here for. And because of the consequences of his anger, and because of his temperament, he loses absolutely everything. In the latter part of the summer, this summer, in the latter part of the summer, I felt like things were getting bad in my home uh, because I was overworked, and I had a lot of, lot of things on my plate, and I think I was carrying some of those things home, and I think that's, that's something that men do, and probably women do as well, and I just wasn't easy to be around, and, and, and the truth is, I have a history with that, and sometimes I'm good, and sometimes I'm not, and sometimes I'm good, and I'll tell Bethel, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better, or I'll tell Callie, or you know, somebody, I'll tell, I'm, I'm going to improve, and I'm going to work on this, but it got to the point where the exact same way, 10 years prior with alcohol, I recognized that I had no control. I was right back at step one. I had to admit that I was powerless and turn everything over to a greater power, which I called Jesus. Because I was just in a mess. And I was like, I can't, I can't fix this. And I can't be one person here. And this just aggravated, difficult person to get along with. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do that. And I committed The same way that I did the first three or four years when I gave up alcohol because I had to at that time because I didn't know how to quit on my own. And I was in a situation where I said, maybe there are things I don't understand about myself. Like, why am I so crazy about certain things? And why am I so difficult sometimes to be around? And I committed to going to recovery 12 steps every single week again. And if I'm out of town, if I'm somewhere else, if I'm here, I go here. If I'm in Kentucky, I go to Kentucky. If I'm somewhere else, I'll find a meeting and I will go And I will commit to it because I cannot fix that part of my character. There are some things I I do have a little bit more control over. But this is not one of them. So I made this bold declaration on Facebook and, you know, about how I'd had these issues. And I was going, maybe some of you remembered it was a few months ago. And I immediately regretted it. I thought, okay, that's, that's a little too vulnerable. That's a little too public, even for me. Like, because I put it out there. But this is a little too vulnerable for me. But I just, I didn't delete it. And several weeks later, I have a friend that lives in Alabama, just a a wonderful Christian guy. I've known him my entire life. And he said, "Um, I'm having some issues. He said, I'm I'm, I'm just arguing with my wife a lot. He said, I'm very unpleasant to be around. He said, I just, we had a blow up the other night. It's been going on for two or three days. She's not really talking to me much right now. And he said, I saw your post on Facebook. And he said, it made me reach out to you. And he said, I know that you and Beth probably don't argue much. I love when people say that to pastors. Yeah, not much. Not much. Yeah, we might have fought over a Slim Jim one time if it was the last one. But not much. No, we don't fight. We don't fight. 
No, he, and I told him, I said, we're, I said, we are a mess most of the time. And I said, uh, so I started talking to him about some of the things that I was doing. And he's also a recovery guy. He's in, in fact, he was in a work, lot worse shape than I was. But through that phone call, his marriage is getting better. His family life is getting stronger. So the point is that you can use the damage in your life and you can use the pain of your story when you start to experience some redemption. Because Beth and I will agree on this, and she's, she's in the nursery today, but Beth and I will agree on this. In 10 years, the last three months have been the sweetest time in our marriage in the entirety of, of every single bit of it. And a lot of it has, has had to do, no question, uh, with the commitment that I've made to working on me in this particular area. So I want to show you what emotions look like. So if you guys will pull up that slide. If you're living by emotions, your view of God, your, your, your existence as you go through every life, every day, you've got like this wonderful, you're on cloud nine and everything's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, maybe you have an argument with someone and for a few days, you're just like, oh, maybe life's not very good. And then something really good happens. Like maybe you get the promotion. God is good. God is showing favor upon me. This is how God works. He's wonderful. And then maybe things level out for a little while. But then something really, really bad happens. Is God good? Maybe I need to think about going to church. Maybe this is not such a good idea. Maybe I need to step back for just a little while because I can't understand. And you know that big line right there? I might have just been getting bored that's going down. I don't know what's happening there, but that's something really bad. Maybe you've, maybe you've lost someone in your life. Maybe you're hurting because the job that you had for 25, 30 years laid you off. Maybe you're going through the difficult trauma of a divorce. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but you would agree with me that life is this series of emotions that just goes up and down all the time, every single day. And I made a commitment years ago that I was simply not going to live that way. So whenever you're trusting in the promises of God, this is what it looks like. Despite all of those emotions, despite all the ups and downs, Despite all of these things that are happening in your life, there is a consistency that you can trust every single day. The road to trusting your emotions is random, it's dangerous, and it's unpredictable. You never know what your day is going to be like. Your, your anxiety, your depression, your shame, your guilt, your anger, your I'm not sure what's next, the uncertainty... All of it is there, but the road to trusting the promises of God. I am faithful. I will not let you go. My mercies are new every single morning. I love you unconditionally. You messed up? Come back. I will leave the 99 for you every single time. I have a future for you. I have a promise for you. I am going to take care of you. You can't get out of bed because you feel so miserable. You can't believe that person no longer wants anything to do with you. You lost this job that you, were you thought was your complete future. It's not your future. Your future is right here. And if you're basing anything in your life, on something outside of this, you are going to be in so much emotional turmoil. Everything up and down all the time. And you just feed right into it. So the promises of God are fluid, consistent, and they're full of certainty. And you can make the decision today to live in to those promises. So I express emotions every day because I'm a human because I have physiological responses going on in my mind, not because God changes. 
Not because tomorrow he's bad or the next day he's good or he doesn't love me one day or he loves me this day or I messed up so he must not love me anymore. There are all these things, these emotions, these responses that are shooting triggers to your brain that have nothing to do with the Almighty. Emotions tell us at times that we have better options than God. And some of you that came in here this morning, that's what, when things get hard, that's what your emotions tell you. There are better options out there for you. You don't need God. You don't need the church. Do you see how, how hard this stuff is? You don't need it. In a 24-hour period, your emotions can tell you conflict, conflicting stories about God. And here's the thing. Some of you that buy into this, as I did for so long, you are so tired. And that's who I'm speaking to just for a second. Your mind right now, you just want to rest. You want your mind to be able to turn off. It feels like it's never stopping because life is just this up and down all of the time. And while emotions are good and emotions are healthy, they are horrible for shaping a worldview. They can't do it. It's not what they're intended for. They can't shape your worldview. But many people who call themselves Christians, they've allowed emotions, anxiety, getting their feelings hurt, this great deal of shame, promote and create a worldview. And when you make the decision to place the promises of God over your emotions, you are drawing a line in the sand. And you are making the decision to grow. True story. At least two days a week, I don't feel like being a pastor. At, at least. I just get tired. I really do of all the stories and all the stuff. And I don't expect you to not come to me with this stuff because you're, you're people. And that's what I'm here. Pastor means shepherd. Just sometimes a shepherd gets tired. But if I'm doing everything on the basis of emotions... I have no control over anything whatsoever. So it doesn't matter if it's anger or if it's anxiety or depression or shame. You have to confront this damage and you have to learn to heal. You have to have healing. Because I want you to hear this. There are reasons that your people skills are so poor. Not an accident. It's not something that just happens. You just haven't dealt with who you are. There is a reason for some of you that your spouse and your kids can't stand you. And when you walk in the door, you change the dynamic of the entire home. There's a reason that some of you are so bitter and you're so angry. There, there's a reason that some of you don't trust others. There's a reason that some of you have no self-awareness whatsoever. So what I want to challenge you guys to do today, and I hate these little rhyme schemes. I'm, this is really not my thing. But I want to challenge you to heal and deal. To heal and deal. And there's a process for this. And it's something that we'll talk about over the next few weeks because you, some of you, you, you I, I can't solve you in three weeks. And other people can't solve you in three weeks. If it took 35 years to do what's been done to you, it can't be undone. Now, the Holy Spirit can undo everything, but it doesn't mean that, that walking along someone else or good therapy or a good relationship that keeps you accountable 
is not something that could be really, really important in your life. So this is how you do this. This is how you heal and deal. And this is the hardest one. The, the, the hardest one is this first part. Ask someone you trust, only someone you trust, to name your poison or your emotional weakness. Ask someone in your life, your spouse, your friend, your parent, your son or daughter, ask them to name it for you. And this is where you say, well, you know, well, Bob, now that you mention it, you're a pretty bitter person. You know, now that you mention it, Sally, you really struggle with anger. You know, maybe you need to hear that in your life. And then the next thing that you need to do, don't get angry about it. Confront it. Let it, let it sink in. Get off your phone. Stop scrolling and take it in so that you can get better. Number two, confront this weakness and start to prayerfully deal with it. It should be your number one priority in your life. I mean, how can you uh, serve alongside other, other people? Or how can you lead other people? If you're just trickling down this toxic effect on other, other people. So be serious about dealing with it. But then number three, trust in the promise. Which is for every single person in here. That God wants you to be restored. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's something that we can, we can fix today. Because he is the ultimate uh, physician. And this is what I want you to hear more than anything. If you leave with anything today, leave with this. Please don't leave with that story about the car lot. Leave with this if you leave with something today. Emotions can really mess you up. And this is how. This is from our passage, if you were to read further in Numbers. Moses died at 120 years old within sight of the promised land. Now, I want you to hear this because I do not want this to be your story. You're a teenager in here right now and you're struggling. You've been married for just a few years. You're frustrated. There are things going on. You're single, you're hurting, you're wherever you may be. Listen to this. This is God to Moses. I will let you see it with your eyes. But you will never cross there. And there are some of you in here because of the brokenness that you refuse to turn over or because in the midst of your angst and your worries and you're hurt, you're turning to the wrong places. You can see what you could be. You can see what God wants to do. You can see the promised land, and it was for you. But because you hold on, or because you continue to live within this place, God is saying, I will let you see it. But you will never cross there. Please. Don't let that be your story. The road to trusting your emotions is random and it's dangerous and it's unpredictable. 
the road to trusting the promises of God in dark, tearful, you're going to throw up, you can't make it, do you need to be checked into a hospital, you can't go to work the next day, all of these feelings. The promises of God are fluid, consistent, and full of certainty. Lean in to that today. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. There are some of you in here that may be struggling and and you're just in a difficult emotional place. It may be anger, but it could be a number of other things. If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around. We just raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Please, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this morning, raise your hand. Thank you, guys, over on the right. Anyone else, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else, you're struggling this morning. Thank you, sir. Anybody else, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anybody else, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this morning? What I'm going to challenge you guys to do either at your seat or at this altar, just let it go. Just let it go today. And there may be others of you in here that you talk about being restored. You talk about this new stuff. I don't understand that because I've never accepted Jesus. I I, I don't know if I am a Christian. I, I don't really know what this stuff means. And what I want to tell you is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. That's what Christianity is, and that's what we believe truth is. And maybe today one of the difficult things about the barricade of these emotions is that you've never fully surrendered yourself to that relationship. So what I'm going to challenge you, I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. And what I'd like to ask you guys to do, if you know that God is dealing with you, if you know that you want to start over today, all you have to do is repeat these words after me. But more importantly, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and wants to love you, and wants to forgive you, and wants to bring you in. If that's you this morning, and you feel called to do this, you can just simply pray after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've tried life other ways. But today, I'm turning everything over to you. I trust that you sent your Son to die for me, to take my place. And from this day forward, I will follow you. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you sincerely meant it, would you just lift your hands so that we could pray for you this morning? Thank you. I see your hands. I see your hands in the front. Anyone else this morning? What I'm going to do as we close is we're going to sing And it would be a good day for us to be able to come forward and just pour our emotions and our hearts and our hurts out to a living God who cares and the Holy Spirit will heal. And as Monday gets rough and as Tuesday gets rough, if you're new here, I just want you to know that you've got people in this place that love you and will meet you exactly where you are. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We pray for an outpouring of the Spirit on our hearts right now, God, because there are damaged people. There are hurting people. There are fearful people, God. There are people who don't know what to do next, God. The anxiety and the depression is just too real. The anger is destroying their lives. The guilt 
is overwhelming. The insecurity, Father, is just too much. And God, I pray that we see ourselves as enough in you. We lift you up and we praise you for the work that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.